Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. <laughs> Tommy, Ocean Chinook or Puget Sound Coho, what is your palate favorite? And you drop yeah. that kokanee on top of that barn door halibut's head, 67 feet of water, and he was not happy about that. Well, I don't know. What do you think? Boxers or briefs? Ooh, I'm going to have to go with a European cut speedo. Fantastic. Excellent choice. I yeah. love tuna. I do love tuna. Heck yeah! <laughs> hey, you know, I have a buddy who refers to Canadian geese as flying carp. Obviously, he's not cooking them. <laughs> he clearly, right? Oh, ocean schnook. Seriously? Hands down. Really? Hands down. I don't fish for coho. Ah, good point. Hey, speaking of grind, can you tell the difference between ground deer and ground elk? Honestly, taste the difference. You know, Dwayne, we only get one chance to live this life, mm -hmm. and you will always regret the things that you don't do. So you know what I tell people? Buy the damn boat. Hey, you know, the facts are some days are just a grind. Welcome to Fish Hunt Northwest, the number one fishing and hunting talk show throughout the Pacific Northwest and beyond. Now here's your host, Dwayne England, and of course, the infamous Tommy Donlan. Hey, good evening and welcome to Fish Hunt Northwest. Dwayne England, Tommy Donlan to my immediate right. Hey, hey. Back here in studio, buddy. Yes, we are. It is Thursday night, 6 p.m. We are coming to you live from the Fish Hunt Northwest studio located in Olympia, Washington. So glad you could join us. Please do us a favor, grab our content here, share it out there. Let's spread this link to uh, as many people as you know. Get them on. we got a lot of great content once again to cover tonight, Tommy. It's been a busy week. It has been. Uh, since you and I were last Already together. been squidding. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we were, we'll talk a little bit about that. What a great night that was, huh? That was. That was a lot Life's of fun. Out. Yeah, yeah. Good good times there. And, of course, we enjoyed that tonight for dinner. Mm -hmm. how, how good was that? That was amazing. That doing that again. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That recipe... Uh, I think we'll get it out to everybody on the 30th when we are back. Yep. We're taking next week off, show tonight, next week off, Christmas break. We'll be back in studio on the 30th, close out the year, say goodbye to 2021. Mm -hmm. uh, I should have the video ready to go from our night out at uh, Squidding there with uh, Paul Kim. Mm -hmm. And uh, we might as well throw the recipe in there because the two just kind of go together. They go together. And man, is that a phenomenal way to, to prepare some squid. Mm -hmm. Shing did an it amazing is. job. Yep. In that uh, that little spice thing she put together from uh, Richie Herod. Oh yeah, that not uh, the fin and the fin and field spice. <laughs> not too shabby. Is definitely my favorite. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So anyway, uh, sidetracked there a bit, but hey, <laughs> so glad you all could join us tonight. Again, we do have a lot of really good information to get you all caught up on before we do take our uh, holiday break. And before we get there, I want to remind everybody: hey, take a little time if you have not yet. Jump over to our webpage, www.fishhuntnw.com. Lots going on over there. Lots of blogs. Uh, our buddy uh, Ken Witt is our uh, is our hunting dad blogger. puts on some fantastic stories that you can uh, enjoy. And there's a lot of recipes there that we've posted up. A lot of how tos, uh, a lot of bait curing, and of mm -hmm. course, it's a direct link to all our social media platforms. You can get to everything we have going on: Twitter, Facebook, uh, YouTube. It's all there, and uh, um, and Instagram, of course, uh, right there from our uh, from our. Uh, webpage. So uh, go ahead and check that out if you haven't. Hit us up with an email if you got questions. Check out our online store. Do a little purchase before Christmas. We have a lot of mm -hmm. items in the online store. Lots of really great uh, wares, hats, uh, clothing items, t-shirts, uh, the tuna wear. I you mean, just it. tons of stuff. Yeah. So I uh, appreciate everybody signing on here. Lots of folks saying hi. We'll try to answer as many questions as we can as we progress through the evening. And uh, with that, uh, some some news that kind of caught me off guard. 
Yeah. Oh, me too. This week. Yeah, without a doubt. I did not see this coming. Not at all. Figured we would probably continue to go down the road of, you know, browbeating on the uh, the few that <laughs> sat on the, com- right. the commission, yeah. uh, continuing to get frustrated and and uh, agitated at some of the decisions and discussions coming out of the commission as of late on some of these meetings. Yep. And I just figured it was just going to be a. Uh, just a dog and cat fight, man. I just did yeah. not see them being very supportive of what it is we like to do. Right. And really, I mean, our only hope for what what seemed like our only hope was just to fill that vacant east side seat to have at least a level playing field in the commission, right? Right. And then this announcement comes across our desk and... Yeah. So Kuntz resigned. I mean, just yeah. files a letter off to Governor Ansley, says, I'm out. Um, and you're right. Backing up, last week we had uh, Rylan Waithman on. Great discussion. Mm-hmm. Got a lot of uh, really good support via our social media. In the interview we had with him, and if you missed that last week, go back to last week's show and uh, dial up the interview with Rylan. Uh, phenomenal outdoorsman, a, uh, a perfect candidate to fill that East vacancy, yes. right? Yeah. And for those that don't remember, so Kuntz was, you know, he was one of the at-large seats. Yes. He filled one of those seats, and he was, you know, backing up Lorna Smith. Yeah. And, you know, shutting down the spring bear hunt. Yep. And also saying, oh, well, it's not a big deal that the Blues Mountain Elk um, objective isn't being met. We'll just lower the objective. What? Yeah. I mean, you got two jobs, right? Conservation Mm -hmm. and providing opportunities. Opportunity. And you're not doing either one of them. Right. And so when you... uh, (laughs) Uh, Kuntz and Lorna Smith showed their hand in the in the Spring Bear meeting. Big and time. We, we'd gone over this, but to remind those that, that perhaps weren't involved, uh, staff provided, Stephanie provided, you know, scientific data to support an ongoing Spring Bear hunt, which has been in place since 1973. Mm-hmm. They found every means possible to shut it down. They were spewing out garbage that sounded like, we're more concerned on our from Kuntz, our perception right. of the decisions we make is yeah. important to who? Well, to, to the I, I, I refer to it as the IFI corridor base. Mm-hmm. I refer to it as the animal rights activists. Right. That's his base, right? So he was yeah. trying to appease those folks. He felt more value in that yeah. than allowing Washington state citizens who have been hunting for years. And the spring hunt's been, as I said, you know, in place in 73. And they just disregard all that science and support for right. it. And I want to read. I want to read just a couple things from his his reg- resignation letter. Oh yeah, because yeah, I think it's point. very telling of the thought process and the approach right. from both Kuntz and Lorna Smith. Yeah, yeah. And so in his resignation letter, he says, "I found that I had no meaningful role in protecting the public's wildlife tr- wildlife trust." Like, well, yeah, okay. <laughs> well, yeah. And then he says he goes on to say. Um, the commission is currently stuck in a politicized quagmire. So use the word um, politicized. And then he says, um, I hope that your future appointments to the commission can be better politicians mm-hmm. than me. I'm sorry, but That's the, not d- that is know. not the role of the commission. You are supposed to evaluate mm-hmm. the data objectively mm-hmm and make sound database decisions based on the people that have boots on the ground in the mm-hmm. field mm-hmm. that are providing you that real-time data, mm-hmm. not based on emotions or politics. Not to mention, Director Suswin in that meeting even stated that he is, you know, he is uh, holding his staff's information in high regard. 
mm-hmm. and he is encouraging the commission to move forward with the hunt. Yes. Kelly was on board right. saying this needs he to was. continue. We don't have a reason not mm-hmm. to. I've heard nothing that would you know, tell me otherwise. Yep. And they went down the road they did, and we all know where that landed. Yep. Move forward the next week, they're discussing the Blues Mountains. Mm-hmm. After, again, scientific data has been gathered from the field, boots on the ground, as right. you alluded to, right. to show the percentage of calves that met their mortality. Right. Right? And 70% of that was... Cats. Your cats. So yep. 80% overall mortality. Yeah. And if you read through that report, you have a couple that were bears, and you have like four or five that were wolves, and then you have right. 77 that were mountain lions. Right. Okay? Right. And so the problem here is that the commission, as it was seated at that point, was not, they, they had no uh, drive to go, we have a predation problem. Right. They instead flipped it to say, maybe our carrying capacity goal of 5,500 is unreachable right. or too high. Right. We should lower the ceiling, and we should pull back on the number of permits we're allowing. And the number of hunts allowed, correct. Okay? Yeah. Because pre- predators and ungulates have to learn to reside together. The problem is, once the wolves found out their way into the blues and started having an impact, and we know the mm-hmm. black bears have always been there, they have a certain impact on newborns, mm-hmm. and now the cat population is out of control in more regions of this state than you even realize because we removed the ability to hunt with cats. I think it was 96. Mm-hmm. Uh, via a petition on the popular base of emotions, right? Yep. Uh, we removed the ability to hunt cats and bears with dogs. And so the cat population has shot through the roof. Now you have data that supports the fact that the cat uh, impact to the survivability of these elk calves mm-hmm. is like serious. Yeah. But our... Our response to that is, you and I are at fault. Right, right. We don't. Right. We can't allow right. you to go hunt. So, yeah. political, yeah, because you made it so, yeah. right? Yep. You chose to take a position that you thought you were going to make a difference, but you felt you were going to do that through politicizing these topics of mm-hmm. intervention, which... You know, the one thing, though, the one thing that um, I feel with all my heart is that, you know, we're, and we're going to get into the spring bear um, petition. Yeah. Later yeah, in the yeah. show. Yeah. But the one thing that totally blew me away is that Kuntz felt the pressure from the fishing and hunting community. Okay. On these issues. Right. Um, and you know, we need to keep that pressure up because mm-hmm. Lorna Smith is not going to keep, you know, she's not going to stop beating that drum either. That's an excellent point. So, You're right. He did feel the pressure uh, when when persons had the opportunity to get on and weigh in mm-hmm. on these commission meetings. And we try to do our best to put those out to say, hey, this meeting's happening. Here's your login for Zoom. Thank God, I guess, if anything positive can come out of the last two years of what we've been subjected to, mm-hmm. you all have become very educated on the ability to get on a computer and pull right. up a meeting right. and pay attention to what's going on. Because let's face it, for years, advocating to get folks to meetings to pay attention, get educated, and figure out what's going on, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, it's a two-hour drive. It's a one-hour drive. Oh, well, and they put it during the week, right? Always. So, so like, hey, always. you got to be in Olympia yeah. on a Wednesday morning at 9 a.m. Yeah, yeah. when you're supposed to be at work, yeah. right? For those of us at work. So this yeah. truly has opened it up mm-hmm. to the majority of those that partake in fishing and hunting right. and in recreation outdoors and and uh for us mm-hmm. that's a positive because we can actually listen to and see what's going on mm-hmm. Amen. and finally people are paying attention and starting to speak up so you know pat on the back to everybody that is participating as tommy alluded to we are going to tackle this bear petition later on in the show and we'll get to that 
But, uh, yep, Kuntz has resigned. We now have two open seats. And I'm not exactly clear on Chair Carpenter's position. The, 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 the board has uh, put him back in the, in the chair's seat. Mm-hmm. But I don't recall hearing anything from the governor's office. His, Larry's term expired in 2020. Mm-hmm. He's been held on for another year, uh, occupying the chair, which is great. Larry's done a fantastic job, though he flipped on the whole bear thing, which yeah, is that was questionable. A yeah. So unknown where that's going, but we now have the vacancy in eastern side to fill, and we have the at-large position. Uh, Ryland Waithman is who we want on the east side. I'm going to give a shout-out to Bobby Kratzer, to get his name up to the top of the list, to start rallying around him. Yes, he's out on the coast, but he can fill one of those at-large positions, more than qualified, and somebody we want to have in there as advocacy for us who hunt and fish. Bobby uh, Kratzer would do a phenomenal job, Mm -hmm. and that's who I'd like to see. So we're going to keep tabs on what's going on with the commission, uh, Tommy, and we'll continue to follow that and and just kind of, you know, help it along in the process, I guess. So... Um, Yes, time to remove two more commissioners, Andy. That is right. Amen. <laughs> yep, we just got to keep beating that drum, man. We'll get there. Uh, hey, as you stated, my friend, we got out with a little uh, little evening jaunt to Seattle. Boy, wasn't that a treat. We, we had a very short weather window to operate in. We really did. I mean, it was a small craft advisory before and after we were out, and mm-hmm. it picked up pretty good when we were out there. It wasn't exactly yeah. flat calm by no, any means, it was right? Yeah. I mean, for uh, to get out and do some little uh, jigging for some squid, mm-hmm. it was we were getting beat around a little bit. I mean, now, you know, set the stage. We're on anchor. We're uh, just not very far outside the marina. I think yeah. Paul Kim actually burns more gas in his generator. I think he does, To yeah. keep the lights going right. for the squid right. uh, than we do to uh, leave the marina and come back. So right. that that's just a guess. But, man, what a great time. I mean, it was awesome, man. And, you know, it's interesting. The squid run this year is completely different from last year. Right. Um, to the point where... The squid are a different location in the water column. Mm-hmm. The squid, the jigging style that you have to use is mm-hmm. different. Um, I mean, there's there's a lot more nuances than I thought to this fishery. Yeah, but that being said, small weather window that we mm-hmm. had, not ideal conditions to get, like, young kids and stuff out on that particular evening. Right. You get a dry evening, 40 degrees, not a lot of wind blowing. Yeah. Bundle up. It's great for kids. Oh, uh, they love it. Yeah. Really, really good time. So, uh we got out a couple hours, very successful. Limited we had, out. We yep. had Paul, we had Zach, his deckhand, and you and I. We got our four limits, 40 pounds, right? 10 yep. pounds a piece. A yep. couple hours of work. Got it all on video. Going to put that together for you guys. If you've never experienced anything to do with uh, jigging for squid, we're going to show you what it's all about. Mm-hmm. We're going to couple that up with the recipe Jeff Maxfield and Sherry did up there at Finn's several weeks ago. We have that mm-hmm. one in the vault as well. Those will those will go together really well uh, on the thirtieth when we come yeah. back. So we can't wait to share that with you. I would say don't wait until the thirtieth to go squidding. No, go get, get your squid, get out there now. This take is care prim- of them. Put them in the freezer. Prime time right now. Yeah, yep. yeah. Towards the end of go December, definitely. So we had a good time. Can't thank Paul Kim, the the Squid King of Seattle, enough. <laughs> <laughs> he he laughs just like you every time we yeah, say that. He, does. he coined that last year. Well, Fantastic. he's such a humble guy. You know, he doesn't like to be called the Squid King of Seattle, right? He's a humble like, squid. He's a humble guy. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Not a humble squid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we it, 
you know, hands down, uh, great time. And uh, gosh, you know, just uh, right there in the backyard. Yeah, it is. Right there in the backyard. Yeah. Accessible by, phenomenal. For, uh, for many. So uh, we are, as mentioned, taking next week off. Hey, uh, hello, everybody signing in here. Appreciate it. Love to see all you uh, jumping on here. And uh, fire off questions if you got them or statements. We try to pay attention to those as much as we can. All right, moving forward. Um, we are taking next week off. Going to enjoy the Christmas week with family and friends. Uh, time to get out and enjoy. Tommy, I'm going to actually try to get out and do a little steelhead fishing. Yeah, there you go. We'll see if we can put that together and, and see if the beard can come along. Maybe we'll capture some of that on video uh, mm-hmm. for you folks as well. There is steelheading opportunity, albeit a little uh, less than desirable, but it is out there. And we got to go take advantage of what we can uh, when we can. So we're going to do that. Then we'll be back on the 30th. We're going to break down the whole squid thing for you. Excited about that. We're going to close out the year. Mm-hmm. We're going to wrap up the year, say goodbye to 21, look forward to 22. You and I have a lot of plans for 22. We do. There's a lot yep. of things to get out and do. Uh, retirement's around the corner, too, corner too by the for way. For you. Oh, oh yeah, for me. <laughs> <laughs> for me. Yeah. Which means more opportunity for fishing and hunting and fish hunting, all that there is. So I'm excited about that. Um, yeah, we are gonna, we're going to roll into January talking steelhead, waterfowl, snow geese, Crabbing, triploids, triploids crabbing, yes. kokanee, believe it or not, Tommy, kokanee. So, oh, are we? Yes, the beginning oh, of the year is going to be kokanee. extremely busy, and we have, yes, David G., family first. You got that right, brother. Uh, so, yeah, lots of good things to look forward to as we roll into 22. We're going to close out that uh, show on the 30th. We're going to give some stuff away. Mm-hmm. We're going to have some prize packs to give away, some some fish on Northwest swag. Going to get a lot of people tuned in for that show because we got some serious giveaways to do. All right, we are going to jump out for a quick break. Appreciate everybody signing on. Take our content, spread it out there. Join folks to the party. We'll be out for a two-minute break. Coming back, Shelby Ross will be on the phone in the studio here Fish Hunt Northwest. Sportco and Outdoor Emporium is the largest local outfitter in the Northwest since 1975, providing thousands of people affordable outdoor gear. Make your next outdoor adventure more affordable by shopping at our warehouse-style pricing. We are a local Scotty dealer, offering sales, service, and repair. Located in Fife and Seattle, come visit us today. The outdoors await you. It's easier than ever to browse homes and connect with an agent on the go with Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate's mobile app. With the app, your home search is synced across all of your devices, so you can pick up your home search anytime, anywhere. Take full advantage of an enriched, mobile-optimized map search experience. Use location services to quickly find homes near you that match your search criteria. Draw your own map boundaries to find homes in a specific area, and apply layers to view school districts, neighborhoods, zip codes, and more. The app's user-friendly design makes it easier than ever to find a home you'll love. Narrow down your search results, save your search criteria, and save your favorite homes. You can browse your saved homes in a list view that puts photos and key details, like price and square footage, right at your fingertips. Or check out your saved homes displayed on the map. Welcome back, Fish Hunt Northwest. Wayne England, Tommy Dolan here in studio. And on the phone, our good buddy, one uh, we cannot wait to go see here. I know, I'm excited. Future. Shelby Ross, how you doing, buddy? Better than I deserve. How are you guys? Ah, uh, we're fantastic. Cannot complain. Cannot complain. Uh, looking forward to getting over there uh, again with you, my friend. Sounds like the uh, sounds like the duck hunting's kind of holding on strong for us. You know, it's been uh, it's been uh, one of our best years in probably ten or fifteen years, and so no complaints because I've had customers from all over the country who have uh, 
stated how miserable their hunting has been at home. So we uh, feel really blessed to have had uh, the season so far that we are. And uh, lately it's been a little bit frustrating that you're shooting at the same ducks that have been here for two or three weeks. And if there's wind, it's good. And if it's calm, it's tough. And with the weather that we finally have now, today was uh, gangbuster hunting. And uh, if you... Uh, don't understand why there's a shotgun shell shortage. The three groups I had out today are posters for, uh, <laughs> for why that is. <laughs> That's classic. Keeps keep sending them until they uh, until they fall and then speed load and send some more, huh? Yeah. <laughs> so hey, so yeah, was, you know we're going to be right. out there in about um, well just about a week, just yeah, a yeah. day day short mm-hmm, of a week. Mm-hmm. You know what do you what are you thinking it's going to be? You think it's going to be duck? Is it going to be goose? Um, what are your thoughts on the weather? Well, my concern was this cold snap. If it if it locks up the sand dunes, it's just uh, tough hunting, and a lot of the birds will uh, will move out of the area. And tonight is the cold night with twenty three degrees, but it's blowing out of the south. And for my entire hunting career, since I was twelve, thirteen years old, the old timers here say. South wind means the birds are coming. North wind means the birds are leaving. It's like, now, wait a minute. they got to come from the north. But it's true. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so this, we say tonight is the last cold snap. We have zero ice right now. We're going to have a little bit of a little bit of ice form tonight. But as long as this wind stays, uh, stays blowing, it's going to be really minimal. And then we're in uh, fine shape after, after tonight's cold snap. And uh, so... Should be uh, should be just fine. This duck should uh, should still be here, and uh, a lot of the farm ponds and little waters clearly locked up today based on the on the bird numbers. Yeah, well, I am certainly looking forward to getting back over there. It's always a great time, and for those that have signed on to join us, boy, they're going to get a treat. So mm-hmm. uh, we have the lodging handled, we have dinner included, we have uh, lunch, and amazing duck kebabs in the duck blind the next day. A little turn of event in our favor, Tommy. We get to attend the Mardon Christmas party Mm -hmm. with our group because, as Shelby alluded to, they have way too much food. Is that right? That is is the plan. How about uh, that? Alerted that the restaurant is closed because the staff is all attending the Christmas party, and so we get a nice catered meal. Perfect. Well, boys, those that uh, took opportunity to jump on board with this trip are going to get a uh, get (laughs) get treated extremely well. Tommy, Mm -hmm. it's going to be a great time. Uh, Looking forward to it. Sounds like there should be plenty of ducks around. Now we got to do is get Tommy to hit one. That's right. Huh? I'm new to this game. Yes, he is. He's new to this game. Uh, Certic's indicating duck hunting over here on the west side has just been on fire. So mm-hmm. we got ducks over here. That's uh, Certic, though. You got to kind of temper that comment a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Certic's pretty good at that game. He's been doing it a while. And, uh, he's probably been doing it almost yeah. as long as Shelby. But um, uh, the other deal that's going on here, I don't mean to interrupt you, is uh, the walleye bite on the Mardon dock at night has been uh, just short of epic. Is that right? At the and dock? I haven't yeah, fished, yeah. but I've just been here. You know, uh, launching the boat and loading customers, and I've seen probably ten walleye caught in the last couple of days. We should probably bring we, a fishing rod. We need rod. to do that. Huh? Yeah, we need to do that too. I guess Tommy wants to yeah. do the uh, the nighttime under the lights walleye opportunity off the docks at Mardon. Something everybody needs to experience, wouldn't you say, Shelby? 
You just got to be careful with those treble hooks and the fish flopping in the dark on the dock. <laughs> yeah, I'll wear my yeah. uh, safety glasses, I guess. Yeah, ab- absolutely. So, uh, well, sir, we are looking forward to getting on over there. Um, you still have opportunity for self-guided and or folks that want to jump on board and maybe take a guided hunt with you uh, through do, January? Uh, Saturdays are extremely busy. There's very limited Saturday openings, but other than that, there's, there's uh, space. There's a couple goose dates left, and our goose dates are, you know, the days are open, uh, Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday. Right. And there's a couple goose dates still left in the season. And then another deal that I'd like to throw out is uh, the first Saturday in February is the Youth and Veterans Hunt. Oh. And last year was the first year of that hunt, and I had a 11-year-old and his non-shooting dad, and his dad's buddy was a retired Marine, and 280 rounds for their 14 duck limit. Whoa. And it was uh, Whoa. 55 degrees and blown out of the Holy south about 25. Smokes. And every duck on earth was here. Oh. And if so, if somebody fits that category where it's got a young, you know, an under 16 year old, <clears throat> that's a perfect uh, deal to, uh, to give it a whirl and uh, no charge for the non shooters. You know, if a guy's got his, yeah. his son and, uh, so 280 280 rounds Sertic says you better bring a whole case Tommy you're gonna yeah right yeah so probably gonna um, go through them like he does herring yeah yeah (laughs) probably (laughs) well uh folks can get a hold of you via uh uh social media they can give you a call um good check out your website uh any anything else they can uh uh track you down uh, to book the trip, they actually call Mardon Resort. Okay. But uh, any questions, feel free to give me a yell, shoot me a message, and we'll fill in the blanks. And uh, since uh, since COVID, last year the, the, the line was it's the year of the rookie because of so many new hunters. Yeah. Never mm-hmm. done it. And uh, it's just continued with uh, people giving this a whirl who've never uh, tried. And uh, we can fill in all the blanks and uh, make it a successful uh, trip. I had a group last uh, two days uh one of their party had as a customer for years and years and the rest of them never done it they big game hunted but uh, never waterfowl hunted and uh, they are hooked and already booked a goose trip for january perfect right on uh, as we like to see so you got they got any uh they got any ammo over there in the store are they out they do not they've got something that's supposed to arrive in the, in the next couple of days and uh if if somebody's uh Booking a trip, we'll uh, figure out how to uh, how to get them some because uh, we might have a little stockpile. Oh, there you go. How about duck stamps? You guys out of duck stamps? So they got duck stamps too. Uh, I don't know if we have duck stamps. You can purchase duck stamps online from yep. twenty six different states. Yes. Uh, Washington is not one of them, that but is correct. it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. You have a uh, yeah. You have a, a uh, electronic copy of it, and you're good to go. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Well, hey, uh, we will be over there within a few days. Can't wait. Looking forward to it. Shelby Ross, 509-750-7763. If you want to get some details or get some questions answered, other than that, call Mardon Resort, book a trip with you and uh, your crew. And I can't uh, thank you enough. We're really looking forward to bringing some new faces on over there with us on the FHN hunt and uh, looking forward to it very much. Always great to chat with you guys. Thank you so much. Have a great night, buddy. We'll be in touch. See you soon. Yep. I, I'm a little nervous about this hunt. 
because I think that I'm, you know, I'm highly competitive, right? And I'm competitive with myself. Wait, what? Yeah, you would have never known, right? <laughs> I, and, that's news and, to me. And my concern is if I get out there and I start missing, now I'm gonna, now it's gonna become like a mission mm-hmm. to be good, really good at this game. You'll hear, you'll hear folks say, "Shoot him in the face." Yeah, right. Shoot yeah. him in the face. Right. So that's, a, that's all you got to It's just what you got to do. That's all you got to do. Is that just it? shoot him in the that's face. That's it? That's all there is to it? Just got to lead him, man. Shoot him yeah. right. Just aim for right. their head. Just like right. turkey hunting. Hit him in the head. Just yeah. shoot him in the face. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. So uh, you'd be surprised on some of those uh, some of those ducks. They, they do fly a bit fast. Mm-hmm. It's not dove hunting. It's not pheasant hunting, which I put on the other end of the spectrum. It's somewhere in between. But uh, it's you're gonna have a blast. Yeah. It's, you're you're gonna you're gonna hit ducks. For God's sakes, Dakota hit ducks last year. Oh well, if he can do it, yeah, he's throwing his guitar yeah. at him though. Right. So anyway, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, right on. Uh, want to borrow my ten gauge? <laughs> no, he's gonna use the nine thirty five Mossberg. He's gonna yeah. get it done all day with that bad boy. So all right, Tommy, we're gonna jump out for a break. We come back. Uh, hold on to your seat. We're talking kokanee, my friend. Mm-hmm. Huh? We are none other than our buddy Troy Black. Troy Black of Blackie's Guide Service. He kills it over there. And uh, uh, there's a reason I bring him back periodically to discuss exactly what it is we want to get over there and be successful for is because this man has it dialed. Troy Black, Roosevelt, Winter Trophy Kokanee. We come back right here, FHM. A Northwest favorite for almost 40 years, Arima boats are manufactured with pride right here in Bremerton, Washington. Arima Boats offers all of our boats with Honda outboard packages so that you can take full advantage of the reliability and five-year top-to-prop warranty from your Honda outboard. With literally thousands of Arima Boats on the water throughout the Pacific Northwest, Arima Boats are a proven hull design that offers incredible fuel economy and all of the amenities that a serious angler is looking for. All Arima boats are built without any structural wood materials. That is why we back our boats with a lifetime warranty. All of our Arima boats are designed to maximize deck space while also providing ample seating. Contact us today at Arima Boats for all your boating needs and let us help you get out on the water. Today, the need for quality private security services is at an all-time high. Contract Security Service provides day-to-day peace of mind as they protect people and property. Here at Phoenix, we provide service for multiple state and federal contracts with services ranging from uniform, patrol, alarm monitoring, canine detection, executive protection, as well as investigative work. Phoenix client management models are built on understanding our client's security needs and responding with a tailored program that is best fit for them. Phoenix provides excellent customer service through well-trained, highly motivated security professionals. Recruiting highly qualified officers is the first step in building a strong team. Currently, we are comprised of 70% prior law enforcement and military veterans. If you are prior military or law enforcement, go to www.phoenixprotectivecorps.com and apply today. Welcome back in studio to Wayne England, Tommy Donlin. Up next on the agenda, Tommy, mm-hmm. buddy of ours who we yet to fish with, have I yet know. to fish we got, with. We got blown out last year. We got year. blown out last year. Yep. Troy's been more than gracious with the invites, uh, opportunity, and trying to get our schedules aligned. It's going to happen. Troy Black sitting patiently awaiting the conversation. How are you doing, my friend? Good, buddy. How are you? Hey, we're good. We're good. Um, you're on the road taking on some other uh, some other fun activities over the next couple of days. 
but uh, are willing to stop, take a little time, and let's drill down on these Roosevelt Kokanee. You know how I, uh, you know, start blowing up your phone this time of year, figure out what's going on over there on the east side, and and what actually is happening. So, what? Uh, how would you? How would you summarize the the start of the winter Kokanee trophy fishing over there at Roosevelt right now? Well, it's um, you know we usually start November first after Fall Chinook, and um, you know, November is mainly our triploid type season. You'll get a, you'll get one or two kokanee here and there. They're still way spread out. And, um, there's always about a 10 day to two week window in the middle of December when the kokanee will, they'll take a feed. They'll, I mean, for some reason they get active, you can consistently catch them. And then, uh, then they kind of peter back out. Uh, Christmas time through January, they start dropping the lake. They start moving down, start migrating back down towards the bottom of the reservoir. And, uh, and then we start booking, I start booking, uh, kokanee trips after Valentine's. Oh, yeah. Um, just historically for me over the last 30 years or whatever, being on the lake, it seems like after Valentine's day, those fish start to congregate a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And, uh, with, with them moving, the, you know, dropping the lake and stuff. And, um, and then by the 1st of March, we're cranked. We are focused, we're dialed, and those fish are starting to school up, and we can consistently get on them. And, uh, and, and, and consequently, those fish, they come up out of their, you know, that 30 to 50 foot, 90 foot range, and they come right up to the surface, right up with the trout, with the, with the triploids. So it gets to be really, really fun watching them blow up on top of the water. So what are these fish, when they when they start to school up, you know, are they just moving with that water flow as they drop the water level? Or, or what's happening? Is their food source collating somewhere? Um, why are they migrating? Why do they group up? Yeah, they're just, as they, as they drop the water, you know, the current seam out in the middle of the lake gets a little bit more um, identifiable. And it just flushes all the feed down to that bottom 13 to 15 miles of the lake. And, uh, and I think, you know, you've been over there when they, you know, they'll drop that lake a hundred vertical feet or something, you know, it's crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I, and I think it's more or less of not being social as it is just not having as much water to, to be nomadic. Mm. They're going to follow the feed down. They get down into the, say the Swawilla basin or, uh, down at Spring Canyon, and it just concentrates the fish because they're 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 chasing the feed. How important is it to kind of dissect that area looking for fish? I mean, are we uh, from time to time, you know, trolling with the current? If they're moving water and you got pretty good flow, are you going against or with, or are you cutting across the grain? You know, in other words, going perpendicular to the actual current flow. Yeah, you know, it, it is interesting. What I have found is some days, if you're out on out in the middle of the lake and you're just hunting for fish, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of times you'll see the fish out there in the in the middle on that ski, on that scum scene, uh, rolling. They're in there rolling, playing around. Huh. Some days they like it with the current. Some days they like it against the current. Mm. It's really, really weird. Um, as, you know, the closer you get to the dam, and the less current there is, then um, 
then it doesn't really matter. Yeah. But I'm talking, I'm talking above Keller Ferry. Say Keller Ferry to Seven Bays, that stretch of lake in there where it, it narrows down a little bit, and uh, there's a lot more current up in that what I call the canyon part part of the lake. Yeah, it actually, I mean, you can you can sense the the you know difference in speed of the flow oh, sure. as it comes through. As yep. you mentioned, it's narrowed down, and uh, of course, you have you know the the water is definitely moving. You get down by the dam, it's almost like trolling around in a circle on a pond, you know, at times. So um, yeah, you find you find the pot of fish. You just do you just do NASCAR turns. Right, right. Until you know until they, until they scatter, then you go find another pot. Troy, you had mentioned that uh, that time of year. Uh, February, as you set your sights on that and start fishing for them, those fish will come up. Waters drop down, the fish come up, much like the triploids being near surface on that uh-huh. troll fishery. Let's talk about utilization of downriggers versus side planers and why you would choose sure. to use one or the other. Okay, the um, when those kokanee are on Lake Roosevelt are different from uh, the the triploids. The triploids aren't near as uh, spooked by the boat. Mm-hmm as the kokanee are. And so, um, how I run my boat is I run, I run the big boards, the big planer boards with the tower and everything. And I'll, I'll run them out, you know, a hundred, 150 feet out and then put multiple lines. I'll stack lines on those boards. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll have, let's say I'll run two, two rods off of each board. And then I do run two downriggers and then I run a flat line out the back. Mm. Um, and so what you, you just, you just need to go, you know, if you're going to only run your downriggers, you know, five to 10, 12 feet deep, then I'll just run them back there 150 to 175 feet, sometimes 200 feet. Just get them, just get them out away from the boat. Sure. And, um, and the, so the guys that don't have the big boards, I mean, they're insanely expensive. Yeah, Um, yes. You can totally be effective. I know a lot of buddies that are great kokanee fishermen, very successful, and they run the inline, the little side planers. Right. Uh, or what do they call them? The, what offshore? They call them? The, yeah, the, yeah, offshore. The offshore. Water birds, yeah, yeah. They call them. Yep. Um, they use those. Um, and so the, the planer board just gets, gets you away from the boat where the fish aren't so spooked. And, you know, you're going down the, let's say you're, you're going down the side of the, right there at Plum Point or wherever along the bank and you go through a pot of fish and it, and they, they spook, right? They, they swim away from the boat. Well, guess what? You've got two rods out there. Right. Yeah. You know, a hundred, a hundred feet away from the boat and a hundred or 150 feet behind the board. And, uh, and so you, you're able to fish a lot more effectively that way. Um, and you're covering more water. Uh, but I would, you know, I, I've got the big boards. Yes. And, and there's several guys that run the big boards, but like I said, I know just as many successful kokanee guys over there that are running the, the $15 yellow plastic inlines. Yeah. You don't have to go spend a thousand bucks for a, <laughs> Or a tower, right? Whatever it is, right? Yeah, yeah. So, Troy, so talk. You know, this is a really long season, really, when you think of it, and you compare it to oh, some yeah, of our totally. other opportunities. Mm-hmm. And so, you get a chance to really see um, how these fish behave and how their behavior changes over time. Um, mm-hmm. 
And when you think about the presentation itself, so so presentation can mean a couple things. It can mean, you know, like the terminal end of your 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 terminal tackle. Or it can mean, you know, where in the water column or or where laterally away from the boat. What I'm curious in is when you when you think about the variables that change um, throughout that season, that long season. Um, what are the variables that are going to make you want to change your presentation, whether that's your terminal tackle or um, location in how you're trolling? Yeah, so, um, you know, the, the kokanee there are very nomadic, and uh, they're not real social like the triploids. You go through, mm-hmm. you know, you go through a school of triploids and you get doubles and triples or whatever. Um, the earlier season... Um, I kind of, I manipulate my gear, um, so I can run it at a little faster speed mm-hmm. earlier in the fall as the, as the water temp starts to go back down, then I will, uh, I'll shorten up my leaders where I can go, I can get that action and go where I can go slower. So let's say, for example, first of November until the water temperature breaks that gets into the 30 degree range. Um, I'm running a little longer leader. I'm running my, my, uh, Dodgers, um, don't have near of, uh, near aggressive bend in them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're a little more flat and I control them a little faster. Um, but as that temp goes down and then I'm going to slow my presentation way up cause they're a little more lethargic. And so now I'm now I'm shortening up my leaders, getting my Dodgers to kick at a um, at a slower pay, at a slower speed. You know, down at one one one, um, sometimes maybe even a point nine. What's that? Fast, the, what's that faster speed at in comparison? Like one five, one six. Okay. Yeah, even one seven some days. Um, you know, early season, I'll even troll. Uh, sometimes I'll troll like a, like needlefish. And, uh, when I'm trying to cover a lot of ground, yeah. uh, Rapala's trying to find fish and just hunting for them. And, uh, you know, now I'm up to one eight to two, two, mm. I, I'm cranking. You're catching a lot more trout at that speed. Yeah. Um, but I'm just looking for fish. If I can find fish, then I can start dialing things in a little bit that day to uh to focus in on the kokanee what's your water temperature when you're up at uh 1718 uh, above 40 degrees okay so it'll above be you know, usually in that 45 to 55 range yeah 58. yeah okay before yeah. we uh before we got to get out of here let's talk a little bit about color patterns presentation scent and bait in that combination sure. yeah so um you know when in doubt always run pink Yes. Um, and on Roosevelt, they love orange. Yes, they do. So, yeah. so you'll see me, I'll run seven or eight rods every day. Four rods are going to be on pink. Four rods are going to be on, on, uh, orange. Mm-hmm. Now we run, we run, uh, like Hornet and assassin spinners. We run a lot of just straight squid, little mini squids mm-hmm. with nothing on them. Oh. Uh, we'll run little super squids with, uh, uh, like a little VIP blade in front of it or a smiley blade in front of it. Um, last year I did a lot of playing around with greens 
black and green, pink and green. I was tying tying some of my own spinners up, just playing around with them. Mm. And uh, May and June, I caught a lot of kokanee on chartreuse green. Huh. It was crazy. It was crazy. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It was really a lot of fun playing around there. Um, and so, so we have that. So those colors, you know, the the typical kokanee stuff, little plankton squids. Um, later in the year, when they get a lot of a lot of uh, pressure, they you'll downsize to little plankton squids mm-hmm. or sometimes just two two uh, a, a pink and a red hook with a smiley blade and your maggot and corn. Mm-hmm. Um, just really really simple stuff. Yeah, real small. Um, and then uh, you know we're I use uh, Slam and Sam's uh, corn cure. Yep. Northwest bait and scent. It's easy. It's so easy. Um, you drain your can of white shoe pig corn, put in a Tupperware, a half a bottle of that corn dye <laughs> coloring, let it set overnight, and you're good to go. You're ready to rock and roll. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and that stuff won't mold. It doesn't sour. You use it until it's gone. Top three cents um, that you. Uh, top three cents that you rely on. Top three scents I rely on are Northwest Bait and Scent Krill, Northwest Bait and Scent Kokanee, and Slam and Sam's Kokanee or Triple X. Gotcha. And, okay. uh, my ba- so my base is always Northwest Bait and Scent Krill, mm-hmm. and then I start messing around with the other scents. Gotcha. Yeah, and uh, make it nice. You make your corn nice and juicy. I put two corn on, whatever. I stuck. I drench my my squid or my spinner in the in the sauce mm-hmm. and put it out. I think kokanee are scent freaks. Yes, I agree. <laughs> yes, yeah, I agree. Like a springer. <laughs> okay, well, uh, February seems to be the target date for folks to jump on board with you and start to, in pursuit of those trophony yeah. kokanee over there at Roosevelt. You got room right, for yeah. uh, folks to sign on? But yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, if guys wanted to go... Uh, Feel free to, to give me a call. We start we'll start February fifteenth and we'll go to June first. Okay. And um and so yeah, give me a call. Good dates, lots of lots of good dates. It's a great season. It's a long season. There's a lot of fish. And um you know, guys up from the west side that wanna come over, if they want to pull their boat over, they can, you know, fish a day with me, we'll get you dialed in, take your boat out the next day, or you know, I'm I'm sitting on top of Snow Quality Pass now. Yeah. And white knuckled the whole way. I'm <laughs> yes. telling you, there, there's no need to pull your boat over this mess. Right. Just, come on, <laughs> just drive on over and let's fish for a couple of days. There you go. That's a, that's a safer alternative. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. This is, I'm not. I'm glad I'm not drag, dragging my boat tonight. Yeah. No kidding. Well, uh, always a pleasure, Troy. Always appreciate the insightful information. Uh, you have it so dialed, and folks just love to hear from you. So we can't thank you enough. All right, no problem. Thank you, guys. Merry Christmas to everybody, and uh, be safe out there. Yeah, Merry right, Christmas Merry to Christmas. you, we'll be in touch, buddy. All right, travel safe. Okay. We'll see you. All right, see you guys. Right. Um, bye. There you go. That's why we get him on here, Tommy. He holds back nothing. Matter of fact, he just offered or invited folks to come over, jump in the boat with him for a day. And then go out on their own boat. And then take your day. own boat out and just right. you know, follow him around and fish next to him. And right. He's going to catch his fish. He doesn't care. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, he's going to catch his fish. So, And he does. I've watched him do it. 
And I'm over there uh, on my older boat, you know, on my tiller handle with my tail between my legs, just going, why can't I get that <laughs> coconut? The coconut yeah, coconut unbelievable. So yeah. uh, he is the man, Troy Black, look him up, uh, give him a call, book a trip. Um, it definitely will shorten your learning curve. Yeah. You're yeah, going to well, I, I mean, it, it, it's well worth your money. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, get it done. Sign up with him. You will not be disappointed. Troy's a great guy. Uh, as you heard, and phenomenal individual to spend the day on the water with. All right, we're going to jump out for a final break. We come back, we're going to close out the show. Tommy, we have a little bit of a spring bear petition to throw to the folks, make sure we all understand what that's all about. And we're going to talk about this salmon recovery plan or monies mm. being allocated for if they can land it out of, uh, out of uh, the government there. $187 million. million. Let's see what that's all about. Don't go anywhere. A couple minutes in the break, we'll be back here in studio. Fish Out Northwest. Sportco, an outdoor emporium, is the largest local outfitter in the Northwest since 1975, providing thousands of people affordable outdoor gear. Make your next outdoor adventure more affordable by shopping at our warehouse style pricing. We are a local Scotty dealer offering sales, service, and repair. Located in Fife and Seattle, come visit us today. The outdoors await you. It's easier than ever to browse homes and connect with an agent on the go with Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate's mobile app. With the app, your home search is synced across all of your devices, so you can pick up your home search anytime, anywhere. Take full advantage of an enriched, mobile-optimized map search experience. Use location services to quickly find homes near you that match your search criteria. Draw your own map boundaries to find homes in a specific area, and apply layers to view school districts, neighborhoods, zip codes, and more. The app's user-friendly design makes it easier than ever to find a home you'll love. Narrow down your search results, save your search criteria, and save your favorite homes. You can browse your saved homes in a list view that puts photos and key details, like price and square footage, right at your fingertips. Or check out your saved homes displayed on the map. Welcome back here in studio, Tommy. As we close out the show, a couple things to cover. So... I got stuff stacked up all over here. These are some juicy ones, too. Uh, yeah, well, this is the information people need to hear and be made aware of. So, obviously, we opened the show talking about the bear debacle. Yeah. Um, there was actually a, a bit of information that came out on social media earlier this week, a couple of days ago. commission had a meeting. Uh, Director Suswin was on there. And he basically said, um, at a recent WDFW public meeting, Director Suswin stated that there is a petition to establish a spring bear 2022 bear season to be voted on during the January 21st commission meeting, January mm-hmm. 21st, just mm-hmm. around the corner, okay? Uh, about a month away. It gives us plenty of time. Uh, you, need to, you need to log on and get in there. You enter your name, phone number, little paragraph for you to fill in exactly what it is you're saying. What basically what you're doing is telling the commission to make sure they bring up the petition to discuss. And if they see a lot of pro hunters yeah. weighing in on this thing to say, we want you to reconvene, discuss the spring bear hunt, take another look at it, hit the reset button, yep. and authorize it for 2022 because there's still enough time. Yes. They need to do that, okay? And this is a full court press, too, because Koontz is out. Good point. He, he was one of the no votes yes. right now. Just remember, yeah. it was a 4-4 tie. Correct. And because we didn't, we have a vacant seat on the east side, mm-hmm. 
Okay. If it's a tie, that means it's a no go. It's a no go. Well, now one of those no votes is gone, right? Yep. If they revoted today and nobody changed their vote, there would be a spring bear hunt. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So January 21st is the deadline as far as when the meeting is. Uh, it was asked via our social media, uh, is there a deadline? Well, I would just say get it in before the 21st. You know, if you're going to wait, you want to talk to more people, whatever, put your words together. Uh, it's pretty simple. And I, the post on our Facebook page is pretty descriptive. There's a lot of people weighing in, letting us know that they signed on. They let their voice be heard. Some were struggling to not put expletives in their paragraph. But that being said, they are taking the time to do it. WDFW.wa.gov backslash about backslash commission and backslash contact. That literally opens up the page where it'll, uh, it opens up the box for you to enter your information and contact the commission, let your voice be heard. I'm pretty sure you can also Google WDFW commission contact and submission, something to that effect. It's going to take you right to the page. It's on the WDFW website. It's pretty easy to navigate and find. But this is our opportunity, folks. We have about a month to uh, get on there, put your information in, rally around this thing. Let's get our spring bear hunt back, our permit draw, special permit draw, spring bear hunt. This is our opportunity to let the commission hear from the group, from the body, right? Mm -hmm. And we got to make it happen. So uh, questions about that, hit us up on our Facebook page or our YouTube channel under the, uh, under the uh, comments section. All right, also, article came out this week, Tommy, it kind of caught my attention. Governor Inslee outlines a salmon recovery plan for 2022. Right. And what really caught my eye is it said $187 million. And I was like, okay, that sounds pretty impressive. And again, to remind you all, this is in addition to any allocations of funds from legislation that would go into WDFW annual budget, by by any budget. So uh, this is dubbed the... um, (laughs) This is dubbed an ambitious legislative and policy proposal. Let's figure that out, right? Yeah. That's dubbed a legislative and policy proposal. It would focus on the protection and restoration of fish habitat. This is a huge one. And fix fish fish passage barriers, address predation, and align harvest, hatcheries, hydropower with salmon recovery. In other words, um, there's a lot in here. Now, the key here, Tommy, as you and I kind of broke this down is, what does that all mean? Where's this money go? Right. And you got to read into it, right? We're going to cover it here. We're going to, you got to yep. read into it. One, one kind of key takeaway I thought was a nice gesture is that part of the plan is being called the Lorraine Loomis Act, longtime uh, Swinomish tribal fisheries leader who passed away early this year. Lorraine yep, Loomis, completely involved day in, day out, year after year in, you know, North of Falcon process and, and so much more. Yeah, Very well respected lady in the Northwest. Um, so they're actually dubbing part of this process and plan uh, on her on her namesake. Um, for the 2022 legislative session, salmon recovery is top priority, according to the governor, okay? That's good to know going in. It like, is. they're coming together for legislative session 2022. By God, salmon recovery is going to be at the top of the list or at least get a good uh, stern talking right. to, right? Which, which is in contrast to some of the things that we've seen from the governor in the past, um, when we've had fisheries meetings specifically on salmon and yes. salmon recovery. Yeah. And instead of talking about the subject at hand, 
were listening to the song note of the Golden Finch, right? And so you remember <laughs> you had to that, bring that right? up. That well, was I did, unbelievable. This is cause, cause, yeah, cause good memory. Yes, because it kind of smells funny, right? Because all yeah. of a sudden, yeah. now, mm-hmm. now, now it's a priority, it's a priority right. Right? right? So anyway, so as we get into some of the things um, that are part of this package, this proposed package, you know, one of the things that they mentioned is preventing over harvest of commercial and recreational fisheries, mm-hmm. which I think is interesting. Um, and they say, hey, this is necessary uh, for the state to meet its co-management responsibilities with the tribes. Right. Well, that kind of indicates to me that if you're going to really focus on um, preventing overharvest, there must be an issue, right? Because if You I'm, must have identified if, an issue, right? correct. Yes. Yeah. If I'm in the city of Seattle and I'm saying, hey, I've got to go mm-hmm. prevent um, all of these crimes that are happening, there must be a lot of crime happening, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so it's interesting yeah. that now we are seeing this focus on enforcement and over harvest i mm-hmm. thought that was interesting mm-hmm. that was one that was one one of the points what the, and it's you know when you read this and then you read it a second time and you read it a third time to really start dissecting these words and how it's drafted I, things that pop out at me is uh as you alluded to the over harvest of commercial and recreational fisheries is key to rebuilding critically low stocks we're not talking about hatchery fish right no we're not we're talking about wild fish right so are we admitting we've had a long uh, unmanaged and just, you know, kind of turned a, a cheek to the fact mm-hmm. that we're over-harvesting our wild fish. Well, in a, many of our fisheries, recreational folks don't get to keep wild fish. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So I, I kind of, I'm trying to read between the lines here and see exactly what they're changing as far as monitoring to figure out what's actually going on here right. and who's who's responsible Who's going to have to step up their game and monitoring? Right. Who's going to have to be forthcoming with information in their catch allocations? Right. Well, they're talking about ramping up monitoring and enforcement to the tune of twenty-seven million. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah, part yeah. of the hundred eighty-seven million. Um, and it goes on to say the state hatcheries provide fish for harvest to help meet our treaty obligations. So there's the reference again to the treaty obligation. Mm-hmm. It's kind of you kind of hear this uh, recurring theme throughout this legislative package. Yeah, so one thing I uh, I jumped back to, so our buddy Ron Garner posted uh, a nice write-up yesterday on his page on some of the things they've accomplished over the last several years in the realm of salmon recovery, uh, trying to get hatchery production back to a reasonable level, not only to keep up with the demands of recreational and commercial usage, but the orca situation right. that has evolved, all those things collectively means at the end of the day, we need to produce more hatchery fish. That's right. Okay? But nowhere in here does it say that any of the funds are going to increase hatchery production. Hatchery production. And to put a number of perspective, and this was great that Ron had submitted that graph once again in yeah. his uh, information. In 1989, Tommy, they were kicking out of the state of Washington 350 million salmonids. Mm-hmm. 350 million in 1989. In 2016-17... That number had dropped to 70 million. Yeah, that's unbelievable. That is uh, 100 or 280 million fish less being pushed out of our hatcheries. Yeah. Now, the infrastructure is there. Granted, some of the hatcheries, I mean, that's 30 years plus that have, you know, not been upkept to probably, you know, where they should. And we've had some issues with some of the hatcheries. But my God, when you have reduced your production percentage of fish being pumped out there because we're bringing back the wild fish and you think the biggest 
conflict with survival of wild fish is all this hatchery production, which has been proven to be, it's been debunked, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we've watched it actually have the exact opposite effect. Mm-hmm. We've watched the wild fish numbers plummet into the toilet with the lack of hatchery fish swimming side by side. We've talked about it before. Yeah. When it comes to predation and there's only wild fish swimming, what, a, what, what do orcas eat? What do pinnipeds mm-hmm. eat? What do birds eat? Right. Come on, right? Right. You know, the other thing that's also interesting and peculiar about this um, proposed legislation is that they want to increase the capacity. Now, you kind of have to listen to this. Increase the capacity to analyze salmon abundance to negotiate fisheries harvest. Okay. Um, you know, that sounds a lot like the North of Falcon process. Mm-hmm. And, and to be able to think that, you know, you're going to come in here and you're going to change the modeling the way the tribes um, and the commercial side of things in our state runs their modeling programs mm-hmm. and their forecasts, yeah. that is a huge ask. It is not, you know, this isn't a quadratic formula, right? It's not like you plug numbers into the equation and you go, yep, that's the salmon run for this river and that's sure. the salmon run. It, it doesn't work that no, way. It's it a very not. complex process. Yeah. And so it's really interesting to, to see that, you know, part of this is wanting to get their hands into that north of falcon process and this is how we this is how we calculate the runs so yeah i'm really worried about that piece of of this package as well along with the uh in, in advancement or ramping up as it's uh stated here in the enforcement and the prosecution of fisheries and crimes it's also <laughs> expand the capacity of the state to prosecute fisheries and other environmental crimes you had a good point when we were talking at a break it's like we can't even get them to prosecute persons breaking into cars right. you're going to prosecute a guy for right. keeping a fish over his limit or something in that regard a, a quarter of an inch too small as something yeah on yeah. a link cod or whatever yeah is it now uh, is that now a felony or what are we you know what's I going on i have no here? idea why that's even in there i'm all for upping enforcement boots on the ground presence on the water presence in the field there's a lot of poaching going on in those types of Mm -hmm. things sure but we also got tremendous crime waves happening yeah so i don't know if the senate uh, the legislation is going to um you know wrap all this up into a nice package and give it to the governor and then to wdfw and they're going to be able to up their uh their wdfw presence and enforcement i'm all for it it's great but if they can't even get it in certain large you know, populated areas right? in cities and whatnot throughout the state, and the crime is happening at yeah. the levels it is, how do we think it's actually going to land at WDFW right. and enforcement? And, and my concern is that when they roll this out, it's not going to be equitable by user group, no. right? No. So is it going to be, is it going to be same, the same for commercial fishermen? Is it going to be the same for tribal fishermen? Is right. it going to be the same level mm-hmm. of enforcement mm-hmm. for sport fishermen? Or is it going to be lopsided? You know, so here's the other interesting thing, right? And so, you know, $187 million and only about $7.1 million of that is going towards uh, hatchery improvements, mm-hmm. okay? Now, of that $7.1, million, is to evaluate hatchery programs in Puget Sound with a focus on improving hatchery fish survival rates. Mm-hmm. Not improving the number of hatchery fish, right? Improving the survival rates. That's, that's of the ones we're already rearing. Yeah, right. mm-hmm. that's okay. Okay, four point nine million. Mm-hmm. Then two point two million is the Deschutes water, watershed hatchery, not to build the hatchery, but to design and permit 
to build. Sure. Right? We talked yeah, yeah. earlier on the break. I think you said to build a new hatchery is somewhere in the neighborhood of $16 million. Well, something in my head was one of the last ones that they completely revamped or actually built was in a, around the price tag of sixteen. That might have been the Voids Creek facility. I can't remember. Right. And to keep in mind, that was a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Right. I think if you're into a, a decent sized hatchery, I mean, you're probably in that $20 million range. Right. Would not be such a, you know, uh, far-fetched uh, uh, number to put on that. But there's just a lot of things going in here. Now, <clears throat> we're talking $2 million here, $4 million there, $5 million here. Um, the, the bulk of this mm-hmm. is going into habitat. Mm-hmm. When you read through this, like 80% of this money is going into habitat, which we're all in agreement. We are, we are destroying habitat faster than we are rebuilding here in Washington State. Well, I mean, we got a population explosion here in the state, right? Mm-hmm. So habitat is critical to bring back the wild fish. Also, what is critical to bring back the wild fish is the uptick in hatchery production. Mm-hmm. Now, there are things that are happening to make that happen to a point, but we have a lot more work to do in that regard. And to your credit, you read through this and went, okay, I get it. I'm all for salmon recovery, salmon enhancement, bringing back fish runs. Habitat, yes, absolutely. Can we, can we do something about some of the hydro issues we're having? There's discussions on the four dams on the Lower Snake River. Mm-hmm. Is that even a player anymore? If so, I mean, to the tune of a billion whatever. And is right. it economically feasible that in the long term, are we going to see the return in that regard? There's so many. Yeah, where's, where's the data that says, hey, you know, we decided we want to spend $187 million, and based on the data that we have, priority number one is, is you know, uh, habitat refor- mm-hmm. reformation, right? And then, I, you know, item number two is, oh, it's enforcement. We need to enforce better. How in the hell is that a high priority, right? So, so there's something going on here that's not quite visible from, you know, the surface, right? It sounds like a good thing. Oh, yeah, salmon recovery. Um, but there's definitely some pieces here that are that are missing and especially there's nothing in here that talks about how are we going to handle um you know the predation problem that we have not even mentioned with pinnipeds not even mentioned they did happen to throw in that they're going to initiate once again the license buyback program to reduce the commercial gillnet fleet on the columbia Mm -hmm. now if that is a uh conflict that's you know harvesting too many fish and needs to go away sure uh, but it's a fine line, and it's a it's a it's a dance that we have to all be involved with because hatchery production hinges on the availability of gill nets to a point. Mm-hmm. And I'm all right. for one to say, look, I don't like gill nets. I would really like to see movement towards selective harvest. You guys have heard me say that for years. Mm-hmm. Commercial fishing is not going away. If they can somehow replace the gill nets with an alternative method that's you know that everybody agrees right. to and it's productive, gets the job done, and those that try to make their livelihood in that regard is successful. Yeah. But so far, these buybacks haven't worked. Right. They've tried them two or three times. Mm-hmm. They haven't worked. So the fact that they have $27 million allocated for gill net license uh, buybacks on the Columbia, I'm going, well, it's nice that that's in there, but the reality is the reality. Right, and you got you got to have a means to get hatchery fish off the spawning beds, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, okay, gill nets, we remove gill nets, right? So, so what is the method? And uh, I'm still concerned, you know, with this Wild Fish Conservancy 
um, pushing these weir pens, right, to pull all the hatchery yeah. fish out of the Columbia. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's the way to go. Yeah, pound nets right? may not be the answer. That's, that's right? not the way to go. So so what is the answer? You can't just say, well, we're going to end all commercial fishing. That's, this, not, that's not a solution. This is pushed out there as salmon recovery, you know, plan 2022, $187 million. When you break it down and see where the money is allocated for and where it's going to, it's much like... It's much like a uh, infrastructure plan mm-hmm. that is passed on at the federal level. And when you drill down on it, like 22% of all that money is going to infrastructure. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. It's like it's in there. You just got to read between the lines and find it. Right. 80% of this is about habitat. Again, habitat's important. Is that truly the key to bringing back our fish runs? Well, and, and whose habitat? Mm-hmm. Where where are you spending the hundred twenty three million dollars that's supposed to go to, you know, habitat? Yeah. Who who's who's getting it? Who's yeah. doing it? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Where does that land? Let's talk so, about that. Well, um, you know, we'll we'll always pay attention to when the governor or legislation or anybody wants to throw money at salmon recovery. We're yeah. always going to drill down on it and see if this is beneficial and if this is something that we need to you know jump on board with and support. This one here. I'm kind of just going to sit back and see how this progresses. Lead lead session is coming in around the corner here. Be very curious to see as that starts kind of going forward. We'll be in contact with several folks who are in the know. We'll kind of see what types of budgets are being drafted or crafted for WDFW. Mm -hmm. We'll see if they're truly going to fund them to a level of functioning versus just barely surviving. I mean, these are things that we pay attention to. Absolutely. And rightly so. All right, my friend, that is going to wrap it up for us. Want to appreciate, uh, thank you, everybody. Appreciate you tuning in uh, this week. Well, again, we are taking next Thursday off, the 23rd. We're going to take some time with family through the holiday season. We want to wish everybody a happy holidays and a very Merry Christmas. And uh, we will be back here in studio, Tommy. I expect you to be here. Mm-hmm. Oh, I will. <laughs> January 30th, close out the show, close out the year. Kiss 2021 goodbye and look forward to 2022. So until then, uh, on the 30th, when we are back, have a very fantastic week, a Merry Christmas, and we will see you in a couple weeks. Hey, thanks for joining us here on the Fish Hunt Northwest weekly podcast. I want to remind everyone that you can catch our weekly live stream show on our Facebook page and, of course, our YouTube channel every Thursday evening at 6 p.m. West Coast time. You'll get our insightful in-studio interviews, our extremely detailed how-to segments in the bait lab, the infield segments we bring to you when we're on the water or in the woods, and of course, our amazing cooking recipes in the kitchen with co-host Sherry England and chef Jeff Maxfield. Give us a follow on our Facebook page at Fish Hunt Northwest. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel at Fish Hunt NW. Find us on Twitter and Instagram, and finally, Go to our webpage at www.fishhuntnw.com for all the latest and greatest info. Join us each week here on our podcast. Join us each week at our live production. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? 
That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.